0: LL Nation, what's good? Lucky Lucky Podcast. I am Sean Davis, SD2Mikes. Malik will be along in a few seconds. Today's uh, show is about the biggest obstacles facing Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman. The biggest obstacles facing Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. So we'll get to that. We have a couple of news things to get to uh ben roethlisberger literally within the last minute officially announced his retirement from the national football league we're gonna have uh there's a recent poll out the greatest helmets in college football so we want to talk about that with you guys we can put that out there to LL nation early let us know give us your top five college football helmets top five college football helmets let us know what you think and then you know we're movie snobs so we're going to talk about the most highly anticipated movies of 2022 a little bit later in the show but like i said today is all about you know, what's facing marcus freeman i would probably say the number one thing that's the biggest obstacle is the narrative right the narrative i mean they they could be multiple but the number one narrative is always going to be recruiting. And I think Marcus Freeman is doing his best to reverse that immediately. I think he did a great job defensively recruiting and reversing that trend in the 2022 class. Uh, He lost one recruit, I think, that flipped at the end. Other than that, the linebacker core, is fantastic. Uh, the competitive defensive backs he brought in are fantastic. Moving on to the class of 2023, he then switches from the linebackers and immediately gets impact players along the defensive line defensive front. So you can see, like, Marcus Freeman has always been thinking, even as an assistant coach, he was thinking, like, yo, I'm going to change this narrative about Notre Dame in recruiting. And he's doing that. He's doing a fantastic job up to this point. The second thing he's doing is he's casting a much wider web, throwing out a bigger net in recruiting, which is what you have to do. You have to get your name out there. You can't be selective because you think administration is selective. You have to go out there and get as many kids interested in the program, allow administration to do their job, But you do your job, and you get as many kids as you can through the funnel that is Notre Dame football and the University of Notre Dame. So that that class, the next thing he has to get over is, we talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast, the quarterback room and the wide receiver room. He has to get over that narrative at Notre Dame because it's out there. And we've seen it in previous classes. Now, if you checked out our podcast with CJ ProSize on yesterday, he was very adamant talking about the depth of talent they had at the wide receiver room in 2014 and 2015. And I had to go back and look at the roster. And I'm like, yo, when you have the babies, and this was crazy in 2015, and, and Malik and I talked about this um offline last night eq and miles boykin were the babies and they probably were the biggest that's crazy they were the babies of the wide receiving core, and they probably were the biggest the monsters of the wide receiving core as freshmen the year right after that comes chase and now you start to see the depth they had in those three classes, and three or four classes at the wide receiver position, but they weren't able to take advantage of it. Now, one want to say that Mike Denbrock, as the OC, could share some of the blame. Uh, the lack of creativity. Remember, we talked about Notre Dame getting to the next level. What is it going to take? Innovation, creativity, and culture. Innovation, creativity, and culture. Shout out to our boy, Cam McDaniel, that gave us that. It's going to take those three things for Notre Dame to go ahead and get to the next level and take the next steps and get over those perceived obstacles, those perceived narratives and some things that are real, right? The next thing in that wide receiver room is teaching. And I know this has been mentioned on Irish Breakdown. I actually had conversations uh, with this Jamarcus Shepard, who ultimately ended up out in Washington as the wide receiver coach. You know, was kind of appalled, according to sources, at what he saw on film when he looked at the Notre Dame receivers. He was kind of taken back, like, yo, they they don't know anything. Like just the basics of release and route running, like, and you could see that they had not been taught right and we talked about it on this podcast that it was put out there some disparaging remarks were put out there about you know from a previous coach about the talent he had and how he viewed the talent at that position so these are the type of things that marcus freeman is trying to overcome and has to overcome the next obstacle that marcus freeman has to overcome and i'm we're keeping it real the next obstacle that he has to overcome is tommy Reeves. i'm gonna be honest about this man as a notre dame fan when it comes to being innovative and creative i just don't know and that's what leads me to feel the way that i feel about tyler buckman and his development i just don't know i'm hoping i'm wishing and i'm hoping because that is one of the things that needs to take place is Tyler Buckner and his development to take the next step, What will ultimately lead Notre Dame to being on the verge of a national championship. But with Tommy Rees at the helm, I just don't know. I know his aspirations. I feel like I know his aspirations to go to the next level and be an OC at the NFL level. But I just don't know if he's going to be innovative enough and creative enough. And it's not about his system which I think he's stuck on he's stuck on his system can he be innovative enough with the talent he has right his innovation comes from people creativity comes from people and he has to be able to find the creativity in each and every one of his players to work around to use to make the offense better and it starts with Tyler Buckner right And I'm not saying Tyler Buckner, he's nowhere near the stature of a Josh Allen, by no means. But there should be some type of power run game in this offense that Notre Dame can then play off of with the receivers and with the tight ends. It's very difficult to have Michael Mayer in the middle of the field doing his duty, and the linebackers have to worry about Tyler Buckner in the run game or the running backs in the run game. Chris Tyree should not be running power, you know, inside run, inside traps. You need to get them on the edges. You have to be creative with that. Audric Estimate can come in and be totally different with that. When he comes in, you know what, this is what we're going to run. You have to be creative within your roster and stop sticking to your system and trying to plug these players into a system. Get creative. Use your roster. Use the talent available to you, and the offense will take the next step. So for me, Marcus Freeman, one of his hurdles is Tommy Reeves. I mean, that's someone that he was kind of stuck with. He did not get to choose his offensive coordinator. Says nothing about their relationship. Everything I hear tells me that they have a fabulous relationship. He trusts Tommy. Tommy pretty much has total autonomy over the offense and from that standpoint yo that's a hurdle for me because i don't know what to expect i don't know if i'm going to see just an extension of brian kelly or am i going to get something else that's new and fresh and something that finally you know tommy Reeves gets an opportunity to say man Now I'm on my own. Now I can do my thing. Based upon a Fiesta Bowl, and I can't really fault him, but you have to be able to run the ball or find creative ways to run the ball. That's one of the things that I thought he could have done. He could have been a little bit more creative in finding ways to run the ball, right? Whether it was short screen plays. I thought they ran a really good one at a very – At a time in the game where it was needed, you know, the linebacker from Oklahoma State just made a fantastic play. Made a fantastic play. Logan Diggs couldn't break the tackle. If he does break the tackle, man, that's a big play, possibly a touchdown, and probably swing some momentum back to Notre Dame. And who knows what the final score ends up being. So let me know. What do you see as the biggest obstacles for Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame? The next biggest obstacle is the beef. The beef. You say, well, what do you mean? Being much more physical and bigger along the defensive line. And they have some youngsters that didn't play this year, that were pretty much red-shirted, that have that beef. They're bigger than Kurt Heinish, a little bit bigger than Jason Miola. And they hit close to 300. Kurt Heinish was listed at 300. Kurt Heim's probably was like mm, 280, 285. Short stout, but he's really like 285. And, you know, he's getting pushed off the ball a lot. Like, he worked his tail off. He played his tail off. Great leader. Great individual. Gave you everything he had at Notre Dame. Tip of the cap to him. But without question, we need to get bigger and more physical along the defensive line. So. With that, let's get to some of your comments. Let's talk about it. Some of the biggest obstacles that Marcus Freeman has to face. Shout out to LL Nation. <laughs> Drunk Big O is actually right here. I decided not to wear it. It's right here. It's always around. And as it Ty B says hit that like button, LL Nation. Definitely hit it. Hit it. Subscribe, share, hit the like button. Uh, Drunk Vigo says Tommy needs to put his offensive genius pants on I agree with that you have to and, and you know what I don't even think he has to be a genius per se right in the sense of being like a Steve Sarkeesian or someone like that guys that get or Shanahan guys that get the label of being a genius he just has to get outside of himself He has to get outside of his comfort zone. And there's going to be growth, right? Because he's developing on his own. This is his first time really being out from under the tutelage or the covering of Brian Kelly. So he's about to establish his own identity. And that's development. You know, we might see something in week six that we didn't see in week one in the horseshoe. To where we might say, okay. This is Tommy. He's found himself. He's found his identity. We're ready to rock and roll as an offense. So, we'll see. John DeCrisio, we thank you for tapping in and tagging in. If you're new, let us know where you're tagging in from. Where are you at? Let us know. We'd love to know where LL Nation or our listeners are checking us out from. I like Tommy, but he has not developed any quarterbacks. Ian Book was actually better his first year and did not improve the second and third year. So he's a big question. I think Ian did improve. The second half of that, I'll push back slightly. I think Ian improved at Notre Dame. I wouldn't say it was, I mean, it was incrementally better. But in the passing game and his decision-making, I think Ian definitely got much better, and I think you saw that at the end of that Clemson game where they beat Clemson. You know, the post, the pass he threw, to hit Avery Davis on that post. I don't know if Ian pulls the trigger on that in year one. More than likely, I'm willing to bet that he doesn't. So I did see Ian Book get a lot better, but I mean, you know, Ian Book was a one, he was always going to be a one-two goal quarterback which means first option second option take off because his trust was in his playmaking ability with his legs that's what he trusted that's what he wanted to do and so that's what he did brian j irish thank you for tagging in i'm hoping the coaches learn more about the fiesta bowl from coaching without bk presence just as well as the players did playing can reese adapt and evolve the question is will he you know what Brian you're right that is one of the biggest questions uh, will he is he willing to and you know they're busy um recruiting and the players are pretty much Matt Bayliss's right now going through training so when they get off the road from recruiting and then uh, hit the final stretch going into the second uh, signing day after that it's really the preparation and install and getting ready for spring ball. So I'm interested in seeing what we hear coming out of spring practices leading up to the spring game. And whether or not they're installing new things or the foundation of a new offense or a different offense. Or whether or not Tommy Rees, like you said, he just believes in what he's done previously and he just wants his players to get better. And coaches are teachers, Right. And each and every year, teachers have new classrooms come in, right? Classroom is never the same. They might have the same amount of students, Students say, 25 students every year. But the makeup of those students are totally different. And it's the job of that teacher to find a way to maximize the ability and the learning ability of each student in that class. You just can't throw it out here. This is, this is the assignment. It's up to you to get it done, turn it in, read your book to find out how to do it. No, no. The textbook is an assistance to the teacher. And the teacher has to be able to make that textbook and the information come to life for every individual in their classroom. And that's the same thing with Tommy Reeves and any coach in Notre Dame. Take the information, take the system. Or take the play and make it come alive based upon what you have on the roster. What you have on the roster. So there might be a section or a particular principle that you spend more time on this year that you didn't really spend time on last year because that class, for whatever reason, might have gotten it, but they didn't get another principle. So you have to stick on this principle. And it's the same thing when you're teaching in football, or any other sport, you have to teach and, diver- and uh, divulge that information based upon what you have on the roster. So the roster should really tell you what you're going to be teaching and what you're going to be dealing with as a coach. And hopefully he can look at the talent camp coming back in the wide receiver room, the wealth of talent and diversity he has in the running back room, and To be honest, he has two dependable quarterbacks. I will say this. Tyler Buckner is the guy that I want to see grab the reins as a starting quarterback. But I'm comfortable with Drew Pine quarterbacking if he has to come in. If he wins the quarterback competition, I'm totally comfortable with Drew Pine walking into the horseshoe. I am. I don't think the game would be too big for him. I think he's a leader. I know he's well-liked by the players. He's well-liked by the recruits from the 2023 class. So, with that being said, I'm very comfortable if Drew Pine ultimately wins that job. I just think Tyler Buckner has a greater upside. Uh, Garen Newsom, thank you for tagging in. One person simply can't do everything. Speaking of TR, the line was trashed last year. With HH back and Chauncey in town, the excuse for TR are getting fewer and fewer. Going to give TR a chance, just like MF. Um, That's fair. Uh, Man, I don't know how to respond to that. I mean, that's fair. Um, Harry Heastand is, is... is huge in this matter, and, and I'll say that he's huge in this matter for Tommy Reese, and he might be a, a sense of comfort for Tommy Reese. He might be. I don't think. Um, I don't think he really has. Um, I don't think he was really comfortable with Jeff Quinn. I don't think he was really comfortable with the way Jeff Quinn was teaching offensive line, and that caused some friction. And it made it uncomfortable. And then when you have Brian Kelly pretty much sticking up for Jeff Quinn, at least publicly. I don't know what was going on behind closed doors. But sticking up for Jeff Quinn publicly, that became a problem. That became a problem. So he's more comfortable. He trusts Harry. And this is the the greatest thing when you can trust somebody and you don't have to watch over them which gives you more time to do your job. Now, you don't have to watch over them to make sure they're doing their job because their job impacts your ability to do your job. So now he can trust Harry and just go on the other side of the field and get this offensive line ready. Give them the concepts, give them the fundamentals, give them the principles that are going to allow them to be productive and allow our offense to be productive. In the pass game and in the run game. And you saw in the Fiesta Bowl, it's at least from a tackle situation across the board, pass blocking moving forward should not be an issue. Shouldn't be an issue. Run blocking, by the way, resetting the line of scrimmage, getting two to three yards and allowing the running backs to get two or three yards before they touch. Man, that's something you have to watch. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Waiting for Malik Zaire to tap in and get to some of these questions and get to some of these comments. We're talking about the biggest obstacles awaiting Marcus Freeman. As I said before, we gave you some quick news at the start of this. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger did announce his retirement from the NFL. He put up a post on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Shout out to the quarterback from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Great career, two Super Bowls. Um. Uh, probably what? Ooh, man, let me know. Ben Roethlisberger probably is a tier three. He's a Hall of Famer. First, first ballot Hall of Famer. But let me know if I'm being disrespectful, because when I really look at it, I probably would call Ben Roethlisberger a tier two and a half quarterback. Tier two and a half. I think he's in between tier two and tier three. So I would say tier two and a half quarterback. Let me know what you think. Brian, thank you for tagging in from the Lou, St. Louis. John, you didn't have to say that, man. You didn't have to tell us it was sunny in Southern California. We know that. We're struggling here in the Midwest. But we appreciate you getting up early to get in with us. Matt Altenberger. What's going on, my man? Uh, thoughts on Indy's chances at Dante Moore. Does Tommy get it done, or is he looking like a Michigan lean? I don't think there is a lean right now for Dante Moore. He just came back from uh, the camp down in Miami, and before everybody like goes crazy. If I were a quarterback and I was looking to impress coaches, I would go to a camp in a warm weather. I wouldn't come camp in the middle of the winter. In the Midwest, trying to throw the football. So, before everybody goes crazy, like, man, why did he go camp with with the Hurricanes? The weather was great. He was there. Nico I. Maliva was there. Uh, all of the, uh, the uh, big time receivers were there over the weekend. And, you know, he put on a show. Nico put on a show as well. Like, if you go out there, there's film out there, video out there. Both of them made some incredible throws all weekend long all weekend long put in work uh, unfortunately i don't think nico is a high priority target um i don't know if it's tommy or the school or the program but he's not viewed as a fit for notre dame and that's what i've heard and uh, dante moore is the top priority and behind that is Vizina. And then we talked about Jackson Arnold and his commitment to Oklahoma yesterday, which is pretty much just, yo, I got this in place. I'm putting a commitment in place, but I'm still taking my visits, and I'm very much interested, very much interested in what the other schools have to say. So uh, that's where Dante Moore is. He is, him and his dad are pretty much taking in all the information, and he's in no rush to make a commitment, but I will say this, he knows how important he is to the recruiting class for whatever school he chooses to go to. He's very aware of that, and I don't think he's going to jerk the schools that are interested in him around. But at this point in time, I wouldn't call him a Michigan lean. I wouldn't say that at all. I think everything is fair game right now. And Tommy Reese has put in work with him. He's put in work with the receivers. Chancey Stucky really hit the road this week. Uh, checking out all of the uh, top wide receivers. I know he checked in on Carnell Tate and IMG. He was in Florida yesterday. He also checked in on Tyler Williams. And uh, Marcus Freeman personally checked in on Caleb Downs uh, down there in Georgia, the safety. So Notre Dame is doing a job, and they're creating great relationships from what we're hearing from the recruits in 2023. Uh, Carnell Tate and the interview we did with him was very forward and telling you, like, yo, my relationship with Tommy Reese is fantastic and is very strong. And that was good to hear. That was very good to hear coming from Carnell Tate. If you haven't seen the Carnell Tate interview, check it out. Go subscribe to the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. And as you see right there, we're also available on Apple Podcasts under A2S Network. Juan Lozano. I think the biggest challenge is going to be TR developing TB into a bona fide five-star quarterback on year two, as TB's rating has suggested to all of us. He was coming out of high school. Talent standpoint, yes. But we have to be open to what that five-star quarterback really means in development. Like, I don't ever see Tyler Buckner being – throw the ball 50 times a game, high completion percentage, 70%. I don't think he's that type of quarterback. I just really don't. I don't view him as that type of quarterback. I don't think he's going to be that type of quarterback. And, uh, yeah, I just don't. But I can see him being, if Notre Dame uses him correctly, and this is not being disrespectful. Because let me pull up the numbers. I can see uh, Tyler Buckner, Anthony Bean, Tim Tebow. And I know when I say that, everybody's going to be like, what? Look, Tim Tebow. Let's see. I have it right here. Tim Tebow at Florida. The three years he started, his completion percentage was 67, 65, and 68 completion percentage. 67, 65, 68. With a heavy influence on the run game and an offense that was built around tons of speed and playmakers and getting the ball to the playmakers with tight ends running down the middle of the field like Aaron Hernandez. Urban Meyer, you can say what you want to say. Urban Meyer has never had a bona fide quarterback. Never. Alex Smith might literally be the best quarterback he's had. Let me think about that. Yeah, because he didn't coach Justin Fields or Burrow. Even though he, I believe he recruited Burrow. So, yeah, the best quarterback he had might have been Alex Smith. JT Baird would probably say, hold my beer. Let's have a discussion. But it, Urban Meyer was great, and his offenses were really good because he always had a quarterback that could be the general and really move all the right pieces and use the playmakers he had. He was His offense is about playmakers, space, offensive line, run game and it was multifaceted and that's what i hope tommy reese is developing in notre dame or will develop something that's multifaceted that really uses and moves around the pieces we talk about like you would never think of blue host as being innovative offensively but he was and i pointed to that 1990 game in knoxville when they played tennessee and he used rocket and ricky waters in that game Beautifully, and had Tennessee on their heels. And by the time they got to the fourth quarter, and he got through mixed matching with both of them early in the fourth quarter, he went power game with Ricky Waters. And then late, once he wore down the defense, I believe Rocket had four catches for like 32 yards as a receiver. And Tennessee, anytime he went to the backfield in the first three quarters, they shut him down. I think he had a total of two yards rushing on like seven carries or something like that through three and a half quarters. After Ricky Waters early in that fourth quarter ran power down their throat, came back to seal the game to make it a two, uh, two score deficit. He went outside with Rocket and they were worn down and they just couldn't. They had shut him down all game, got them late in the fourth quarter and his speed just took over to the outside. And it was just innovative, the way he attacked that defense. That was a stout, very stout, very stout Tennessee defense. And he attacked them with innovation and got the job done. So, And he never had a big-time quarterback. You don't need – I know we all want a big-time quarterback, but I would say, and I think we all would agree, maybe not from NFL standpoint, Tim Tebow is not a – NFL quarterback, but he was a darn good college quarterback. Some might say he was the greatest college quarterback of all time. That's been argued. I'm not saying I agree with that, but if Notre Dame and Tyler Buckner can be in that mold, I'm not necessarily having to come out and throw the ball 50 times, but throw the ball 20 to 25 to 30 times, complete 65 to 70 percent, complete 65 percent of your passes. Don't commit turnovers and be a force in the running game and get the ball to your weapons. That's all we need Tyler Buckner to do. If he does that, he'll be an elite college quarterback. It's as simple as that. Let's see. Jay Golden, 44, Buckner needs to work on the mental aspect to ensure good decisions are made and limiting turnovers i mean yeah i mean because you saw the good and bad in the virginia tech game right he comes in two great touchdown drives in the second quarter virginia tech goes into halftime they make the adjustments comes out he has a tough third quarter and that was his game that was his game to be able to take the starting spot over for the rest of the year jack cone had to come back in and thankfully he was able to leave notre dame back in that game for a big victory with late touchdown drives. So, let's see. Drew Pine had a scholarship offer from Bama, so he's not exactly garbage. I don't don't think anybody's ever called him garbage. This is what Drew Pine's arm is. (laughs) And you have to think about this. Notre Dame, late October and November. Cole Wendy, Drew Pine's arm, he might be able to throw the ball maybe on a good day, 50 yards. Maybe on a good day, right? So once the wind hits and once November hits, with the weapons you have, like Braden Lindsay, we saw Jack Cone underthrow Braden Lindsay. All your Braden Lindsay in the first five games. Had a DB beat by, like, five yards every game, twice a game. And Jack Cone would underthrow the ball. DB would get back into play and either break it up or at least we got a pass interference. And that is something that Notre Dame that has to be solved. Like, if you're going to have talent and speed, I need to see a big arm or bigger arms in the quarterback room. That's it. To take advantage of those opportunities. Which is ironic because then you get to the Fiesta Bowl and he overthrows <laughs> Lorenzo Styles Jr. in the second half on a big-time play, big-time opportunity that was missed. So, let's see. Gavin, I see everybody saying something in the chat about what you said. Uh, here we go. Gavin Right, just to play devil's advocate, there were one or two plays in the second half where we'd like to have a different conversation at this moment, like inch plays, Jack missing styles and Logan screen. And I've been up front and honest and said, if that was Kyron Williams on that screen that's a touchdown, because Kyron breaks that tackle. I don't care how good that linebacker is from Oklahoma state. I've seen Kyron Williams break tackles from great linebackers all year long, all year long. It's a quicker step. I think the screen is run quicker. He gets up field quicker. That's not even a question. You're right. Those are one or two plays that have to be made, and the entire trajectory of the game changes. Just like on the defensive end, dude, having Spencer Sanders in the backfield sacked would turn a first down run that he made that keeps the momentum going for Oklahoma State now until like third and 18, and we get the ball back in plus territory. So, like you said, one or two plays on both sides of the both sides of the ball would have changed the trajectory the trajectory of that game. And that's the thing you should take from the Fiesta ball. Can we get five plays better? I will say that. That is another obstacle in the development for Marcus Freeman and his football team. Can this team get five plays better? That's all you need. We're really good. We played well, but can we be five plays better each and every week? Can we have five more impactful plays on defense and offense, which would probably lead to five more impactful plays on defense, probably gets you from 130 yards in the rushing game, probably down to right at 100 or under 100. So now that defense is closer to a defensive uh, line or defense that's national championship caliber offensively if you can get those five plays that's like maybe three first downs and two big plays which leads to maybe 10 to 14 points you get 10 more points you go from averaging 33 to 34 now you're up over 40 points which bodes well against better competition so that that's a great point gavin you know just those small plays and improving on both sides of the ball incrementally makes a huge difference on the scoreboard
1: and in the win-loss record i totally agree with that john sean i am coming from la dodgers territory but i am a Pittsburgh pirates fan because i was born
0: in that area that's a strange combination that's a strange combination out there in la but coming from back east what is it like answer this question and maybe you guys can tell me For those, because we have a lot of people that wake up early with us in la if you're in la and you're from the east coast how do you feel about the vibe in la being from the east coast and like being from a totally different vibe because it's like i'll give you a great example like new york's one of the greatest places i love to visit right and when i go there In Chicago, I'm so used to being on the South Side and being outside and giving a nod, a head nod, saying what's up, speaking, and you get to New York and you do the same thing and New York's totally different. Like, they're just bullies on the sidewalk. They're bumping you. They don't say hello. They don't speak. And it's like a turnoff, like, yo, man, what's what's good? So what is it like being a transplant in LA and coming from the East Coast? because those are two totally different cultures. Let me know. I'm interested, John. Let me know what it's like. Lee Marie, Caleb Williams situation is an example of times to come power in hands of recruits. Coach can do all he can, smash on a podcast because an 18-year-old eight, kid goes here or there is not the way in fans. I need you to be more specific, Lee Marie. Are you do you have an issue with Caleb Williams because you I mean you do realize that his coach left before he left his coach that recruited him in Oklahoma chose to leave and go to another school Caleb Williams didn't leave or jump into the transfer portal immediately he stayed he played for coach Stoops in the bowl game balled out one came back, had a meeting with Coach Stoops, discussed things with his parents, and made the decision that it would be best for him to go find another school because Oklahoma at that point in time either was close to hiring Brent Venables, which is a defensive guy, or it was rumored that that was the direction they were going. So I don't see anything wrong with what Caitlin Williams did. Nothing. I think he handled his situation the correct way there was no other way for him to handle the situation but we can talk about the fact and i wanted malik to really be here to talk about this the fact that now and it was confirmed by malik i think he had a conversation with caleb on yesterday is down to wisconsin and usc which is crazy i never i would have never thought that a school like Wisconsin would have a shot at USC. But Malik, when he left Notre Dame, it came down to Wisconsin and Florida. And what really made him go to Florida was wanting to play in warmer weather and being tired of the Midwest. When it comes down to Paul Chris, and this is what Malik told me literally last night, I called and I'm like, yo, Caleb in Wisconsin, really? He said, bro, I've been in that office with Paul Chris. I'm telling you, Paul Chris is one of the greatest coaches and greatest minds, and he's a great salesman. He's like, I'm telling you, he's allowed, he's probably got Caleb Williams thinking, you can come in here and be the next Russell Wilson. You see what I did with Russell Wilson? I can do the same thing with you. We can go to the Rose Bowl. We can win the Big Ten and we can get to the college football playoff. Rose Bowl, win the Big Ten, college football playoff. That's what he's selling to Caleb Williams. He's selling the opportunity to be developed like Russell Wilson, which is one of the things his father said, and you're closer to home. That's another thing. Now your parents and your people can come see you. It's a quicker drive from the East Coast up here to wisconsin than it would be getting out to usc so yeah i'm shocked that wisconsin's in it but according to all reports yo great job great job let's see David, great point sean tr couldn't do much about Quinn because it, yeah i mean yeah and having harry but like you said david having harry eliminates the excuses like there are no more excuses having Chauncey Stuckey no more excuses your players are going to be coached they're going to be coached the right way now it's up to you to produce in that offense Sam B thank you for tapping in lifelong indie fan from London Luton, Tech Tennessee I'm sorry found your podcast a few weeks ago and I'm hooked awesome job go Irish we appreciate you Thanks for being a part of LL Nation, Sam B. Lee, rumor is Wisconsin being considered by Williams. I would not want to be Lincoln Riley the second. Well, that's on Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley started these dominoes. When he chose to leave Oklahoma, I mean, that's on him. But, I mean, let's remember that he has Malachi Nelson. And he already has a great quarterback coming in in the next class. So, I think he can survive for one year in LA and live off of that. You know, let the brass know, like, look, it's a rebuild. You're going to have to give me this year. You're going to have to give me 22. We'll get everything in, and they'll be fine. Matt Altenberger, I still think Caleb goes to USC. Mario Williams just committed a few weeks ago. Probably following him out there. Um, Now, that's one thing we did talk about, right? When I talked to Malik about this, my thing was, yo, I don't know. The talent at Wisconsin, at the skill positions, isn't exactly stellar. He doesn't have Mario Williams. And he doesn't have the speed that he'll have at the wide receiver position at USC. And Malik's response to me was, yeah, you're right. But USC and that offensive line won't be good next year. Check. That's true. The running game won't be good. Check. And he said, he, Caleb, is better in play action than he is drop back. And he's better when he's outside the pocket. And he said, this is where Paul Chris comes in. Because Paul Chris is explaining to him, we always have a great offensive line. You won't have to go out there and outscore everybody like you will have to do at USC. Because Jim Leonard in this defense is annually a top three defense. So you're always going to be in the game. The game is not going to be on your shoulders every week. We have a running game here at Wisconsin every year. Great offensive line. And that playmaking and working off of that running game is geared towards what you do best, which is play action, big plays, getting outside of the pocket on play action, rollouts, bootlegs. And Paul Chris is selling it. Paul Chris, Paul Chris is selling it to him. Like, yo, we're building towards your strength. So everybody might be like, yeah, USC, they have more talent. Their offensive line is hard. He would have to go out and put put up 40 points a game to win at USC because that defense needs another two years of recruiting at least to get to a competent level or to get to a dominant level. So if he's looking at that and he's looking at what really is a better opportunity, Wisconsin's, I mean, Wisconsin's right there. I really believe it's going to be a very interesting decision. Uh, we just, we're going we're gonna to do pre, man, excuse me, we're going to do pre-sales. So the website should be up sometime next week. We'll have the pre-sales with the uh, fitted, the trucker and the t-shirts. I think the first two t-shirts are going to be screen poppers and we spin it different. Those are the first two t-shirts. And then we'll have the fitted logo hat and the fitted trucker hat. And we'll start off that with pre-sales. And the website should be good to go by next week sometime. So we look forward to making an announcement next week. Brendan Standard, Brendan Standard, Carnell was up in Knoxville this past weekend. Yes, he was. Him and his entire family. Saw those pictures. Uh, <laughs> Drunk Vigo said, you need some deep dish pizza to stay warm. Uh, my preference is uh, thin crust, really good thin crust.
1: But, you know, I'm a fan of deep dish as well. Jay, thanks for tagging in. Uh,
0: Tom Lloyd reported yesterday that Coach Reese has or is stopping by to see Nico this week. Well, if he does, well, it must be that's good to hear. That's good to hear because early on, we got the word maybe a month ago that Nico was not really the top priority. So I'm glad that Tom Lloyd reported that. You should stop in on Nico. Personally, and I have this debate with Malik all the time. And I've had it out with uh, Brian Driscoll about this. I have no problems taking Nico over Dante Moore. Not one. Wouldn't hesitate. Wouldn't hesitate at all. It Just based on arm talent alone, very comparable. Makeup, leadership, all of those qualities. I really haven't had time to go watch these guys. I want to watch them in person, and I'm going to get that opportunity this year. To go to a couple of games, but hey. Capping about what? That's what I'm saying. Don't say you're capping, and then don't say what I'm capping about. Uh, why isn't Notre Dame throwing around financial weight in order to get these recruits? That they're not gonna do that. Notre Dame is not playing this NIL money. I swear, we talked about this the other day. NIL money should have nothing to do recruiting and it should have nothing to do with the schools the schools should not be going to find nil money for recruits and our nil money should be for players to be able to sell themselves to get money from companies that want to invest in them that's name image and likeness if you get on campus and you ball out and companies want to come after you then I'm fine with the school being involved because it's under their watch. But as far as recruiting, no, nah, that's for me, it's a front for boosters and what they've been doing anyway. Period. So if Notre Dame wants to sit back and let this play out and see what happens and do it another way in which they feel comfortable, I'm all for that. I'm not, no, nah, I'm not for that game. I'm not getting a bidding war with Texas A&M, Texas. And desperate schools that are trying to get back to the top of the college football landscape. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable with the way Notre Dame's doing.
1: It. Let me see if the uh, Brendan respond. I don't know what he was saying. I was capping about, but let's see. Get some more of your comments. Caleb um, um, could have done all that
0: at OU. With who? With who?
1: Somebody he doesn't know? It's about comfort. And he's doing what's best for him. Omen Clark, we appreciate you, my dude. Shout out from Philly, Oak Park, born. Oak Park
0: uh, Oak Park on the west side of Chicago or like Oak Park out there in Pennsylvania? I think Buckner has elite ability and agree with you. He is not going to be that heavy passer. We just need him to be efficient and accurate when needed. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know, people might scoff at me using the name Tim Tebow, but literally, that's all I want Tyler Buckner to be. Like, man.
1: Oh, I guess based upon what everybody else is saying, I'm not due. I'm talking what what's being reported.
0: 247, several people have crystal ball Wisconsin on 247 and in other publications. Like, I'm I'm not capping. I'm telling you. I had a conversation with Malik, who talks to Caleb Williams on the phone pretty consistently. He's been involved. Actually, Malik's been trying to get him to come to Notre Dame. Let's keep it a buck. Malik has low-key been trying to get Caleb Williams to come to Notre Dame. But because of that relationship, you know, they've been talking to him about – they've been talking to him about his situation and what's going on. And, you know, the Wisconsin thing is real. The Wisconsin thing is very real. I think TB might be like Charlie Ward. Hell no. Totally different players. Hell no. 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 I don't see that. I don't see that. Two totally different players. And styles. they style of quarterback. Two totally different players. Charlie was a lot more fluid in the passing game a lot more comfortable dropping back a
1: lot more comfortable um
0: truman Dumel, we should be going super hard after archie manning we are at the big boy table let's get the golden goose our arch, arch man doesn't want to come though today so i'm not chasing anybody that doesn't want to come here Arch Manning will be in the South. That's where he wants to
1: play. That's where his family wants him to play. That's where he's going to play football. Ty B. I love it. People
0: are laid back. And to be honest, they care to help or make you feel comfortable from Boston living in San Diego. Okay. So as a transplant, you saying you love it, you and your family? It is definitely more laid back. Definitely more laid back. And Boston, man, how is Boston? Boston is a great city to shop. Now, I have gone up to Boston to shop. I've never spent a lot of time in Boston, like overnight, and really kicked it But,
1: hey, I'm glad you like it as an East Coast transplant. Juan Lozado, yes. Paul Chris did develop Russell Wilson, and
0: I believe that's what he's selling. He has to be selling that to get this kid to, man, what else is he selling to Caleb Williams? Uh, I love California and can't imagine living anywhere else. Very casual, friendly people, great weather, playing tennis tonight. Yeah, though, they have the nice uh, golf courses you can play at nighttime as well out there in Cali. I like that. That's dope. We have mountains, beach, and desert all within an hour of my house. Okay. They need to hire you with the uh, California for um, California tourism. <laughs> with. What you just said,
1: that's a great selling point. Uh, Jackson Dart, Zacko, how you doing? Um, Jackson Dart transfer.
0: He's in the transfer portal. Michael Rudiger makes me a little annoyed. Wisconsin got into the mix and ND didn't even try. I get the message it sends to TV but you're already making him compete for the job. Um, how, how can I say this? I won't say that Notre Dame didn't try. I just think they were immediately cut off at the pass. I think the phone, the phone rang, Caleb Williams and his people picked up, and pretty much said we're not interested.
1: And I'll leave it at that. Uh, Kenneth James. If
0: Wisconsin, thank you for tapping in, Kenneth. If Wisconsin is a serious player for Caleb, it destroys the want somebody to develop me narrative. No, it doesn't. Same thing with LSU and Brian Kelly's track record essence. Nah, no. No, when you have Paul Chris sitting there saying I developed Russell Wilson and I have an offense that fits your strengths and I'm not about to make you drop back and throw the ball 50 times to have to win a football game. I push back on that. I push back on that. Wisconsin works because of Paul Chris. He said he's looking for coaching. His father said I'm looking for He said I'm looking for a school. He said I'm looking for coaching. And a coach came to him with a plan, and someone in the NFL he could point to to say, I did it for him, and I can do it for you. Come here. This is where I happen to be coaching, but it's not about Wisconsin. It's all about Paul Chris and who he developed. Same, pretty much same stature, same game as Caleb Williams, the exact same game. And all in his sales pitch, He's saying, I see you as Russell Wilson. And honestly, Caleb Williams would literally have to beat Ohio State. Caleb Williams would win is there in the West. That's like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin. They're winning that division. Let's keep it a buck. If they get Caleb Williams, they're winning that division. And then they would have to win two of the big games. Out of the three, I haven't seen the schedule, but I'm sure they're going to either play Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. They're going to play two of the three, and they have to win those games. It's as simple as that. They win the
1: Big Ten Championship, and they are the CFP. He's closer to making it to a Rose Bowl and a CFP next year going to Wisconsin than
0: he is going to USC. I feel comfortable saying that. If he goes to USC, I don't think he makes the Rose Bowl. He definitely won't make the college football playoff. If he goes to Wisconsin, he has a reasonable shot to do both. Will it be tough to beat Ohio State? Heck yeah. Absolutely. But I trust Jim Leonard to hold Ohio State down below their scoring average.
1: And then it's all about the run game and Caleb Williams making plays. Can they do it? We'll see. Okay, Lee Marie, here you go. Um, No, I don't have an issue with
0: C. Williams. I'm saying that the recruits have decision-making power, that they will decide where they will go. Coaches can only do so much. Well, Cam McDaniel said that the other day when he joined us. He said, you know, the players ultimately will truly realize um the power they have with this new il nil the new system and once they realize that it is going to be a problem and i'm interested to see if the players or recruits will start dictating to coaches in their recruitment that's what i'm interested in seeing the impact of nil we talked to carnell tate and carnell was very open with us saying that his family and him and his family are they discuss NIL when it comes to his recruitment. So shout out to all the Bears fans. You got your new head coach, Matt Eberflus, coming over from the Indianapolis Colts. Eh, it's okay, I guess. Jay Henry? Mm. We'll see. I mean, it doesn't, like, move the needle for me. I'm not overly excited. It's it's okay. Clyde Terry, another transplant. I'm in West Los Angeles from Indiana, Fort Wayne. Uh, Pacers fan. That's what's up. Indy football, IU basketball. You lost me with the IU basketball, bro. Colts fan and a Pacers fan. All right, Clyde. Capping about what? You all keep saying I'm capping. Capping about what?
1: What am I capping about, man? If you're going to say I'm capping, say what I'm capping about. I hope you I hope you're not saying. I'm cap
0: man, please. If y'all think Tyler Buckner is his game as close to Charlie Ward, you're bugging. You're bugging. Yeah, you're being you're being halfway disrespectful. This man was a Heisman trophy-winning quarterback. So we're talking about the fluidity at the quarterback position. Tyler Buckner has does not have the same agility. Or The same creative, artistic movement that Charlie Ward had. He doesn't. We're talking about someone that won the Heisman Trophy in college football and then went on to be a point guard in the NBA. Stop. That's a totally different level of athleticism and artistic movement. Totally different. Tyler Buckner doesn't have that. Whatever Tyler Buckner has is his artistic expression. Let it play out. But it's totally different than Charlie Ward. Totally different. If that indeed is the topic you guys were saying
1: I was capping about. He is not Charlie Ward. He's not. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, what's more laid back, San Diego or L.A.? For everybody that's out there on the West Coast. Jackson Dart is not going back to USC.
0: Jackson Dart goes back to USC. He's on the bench next year with the quarterback that's coming in. He's not going back. If he's smart, I hope he he makes a better decision than that. Uh, if Reese can't stop in quarterbacks from that annoying habit of abandoning the pocket, despite it not breaking down and running backwards before throwing out of bounds, it goes back to when he played quarterback It's infuriating. I can, I can, I can, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. It is infuriating and quarterbacks not progressing at Notre Dame. Is even more infuriating. We have a history of that. I agree with that. Cool. I think Perkins is uh, at LSU this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. They have checked in on him. I don't know if he's going to come in for a visit, but that's what I know so far. Uh, Tybee says... uh, Oh, the food is amazing in, in Boston too. Okay, it's a diverse city. You will find the culture there you never heard of. In my case, Cape Verdean, B in Boston. I, you know, I love cities like that. Like I love going to like the old New York, Connecticut, uh, colonial, old colonial homes. You still see them. They've refurbished. It's a different vibe. It's a different vibe. I was like, man, one of the craziest things I felt like around the Yale campus, because I have family up there, and uh, the Yale campus just has this this vibe, like you're still back in the 1700s when you walk into campus. It's just it's different, but I, I kind of like it. If you feel like you're in the midst of history. Purpose and need would be bananas. Totally agree. Uh, Ryan Day to the NFL, at this point in time, I would probably say 70-30, he stays at Ohio State. Uh, The Harbaugh thing is real from what I'm hearing about Harbaugh. We know his extension with Michigan has been on the table for about three weeks to a month now. If he really wanted to stay, he would have signed it already. But in the event that he is leaving, he is committed to staying through signing day, making sure they get the class in and then making this decision ultimately between Michigan and the Las Vegas Raiders. Now I posed this question to you. Cause I had this discussion with somebody offline. Is it disrespectful to the recruits that he's making this decision and dragging this decision out? Like you can say what you want about the way Brian Kelly did what he did, but what he did is that he allowed Notre Dame to recover time to recover, get a coach, keep the recruiting class intact and then move forward to the second signing day and keep things moving into the next season he gave no time like yo the raiders reached out to to jim harbaugh from reports like during the season so he knew whether or not he wanted to go back to the nfl he knew it. he definitely should have considered it after he took that beat down from georgia he should have seen the writing on the wall and saying, I'm not, I don't think I'm getting it done here in Michigan. So, and that was the best team he's had. So, with that being said, uh, might be a little unfair to recruits, not only in a 22 class that are going to be signing late, but also in the 2023 class. You know, is it you know, you think about a kid, a Walker, who basically switched on signing day from Notre Dame to Michigan like how unfair, that's all he talked about was his relationship with Coach Harbaugh and how Coach Harbaugh, his dad was like, Coach Harbaugh called my son every day. Okay, the dude that called your son every day, he was calling your son while he was deciding whether or not he wanted to stay in Michigan or go back to the NFL. And he knew that was on his mind while he was calling your son. So that, for that, we could actually put Jim Harbaugh on the petty train today. We really could. Because in a sense, it's kind of unfair. And you kind of, uh, what am I cap, Man, now y'all trolling me, man. (laughs) Y'all trolling me, man. Yo. Yo, at this point, I'm just doing my job. I haven't looked at my phone. I don't know what he's on. I'm sure he's going to ask to do a show tonight. So you guys might get two shows tonight. You might get one now. You might get one at eight o'clock, because he's definitely
1: going to want to say something about Caleb Williams. Um, that's a good question.
0: Somebody told me that Emil Wagner might actually be a candidate for a position change. Because I I really think either Harry Heastan wants him to sit like other great linemen have sat under him. And maybe, because Notre Dame is really set, so you could bump him inside. Maybe he goes to center once Jared Patterson hits or leaves, and you put him at center, and you have Alt and Blake Fisher at the tackles. Or maybe you bump Fisher inside, and you put a Mill Wagner outside of him on the right side, and you have Alt Christophe on the left side. That's a lot you can do, you know. it's a lot of wealth on that offensive line for Notre Dame. So that's that's wealthy people problems in college football sense.
1: That's a good problem to have. Let's see. Oh, San Diego over LA? Okay.
0: I'm not a clam chowder, dude, man. Drunk Vigo, I'm not a clam chowder. Uh, Man, I just. Man. I'm capping because I think L.A. and San Diego are better than East St. Louis? Did I say that? I don't
1: know if I said that. I don't know if I said that. Is it? Okay, D.B.Z. said the best clam chowder is in Newport.
0: All right, East Coasty. I'm, I'm a DMV dude. I'm a Baltimore dude. I'm a crab case guy. I love crab, so. But clam chowder, I'll I'll give it another shot on the East Coast. I've only had it in the Midwest, so I'm sure it's much better on the East Coast in places like Newport. So I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. Coleman Clark. I'll agree with you. It is definitely
1: expensive. Very expensive. Okay. Got you. I see you in the chat, Lee Marie. No, my man. They're going to get that dude,
0: Emil Wagner, up to about 280, 285 real fast, my brother. <laughs> Watch. Real fast. It won't take long, either. That dude's frame is, man, ridiculous. And holding stays is putting in work. That's the last thing they need is help with Mitchell Evans holding stays. They don't need, man. Trust me. Mill Wagner is going to be an athletic beast. On that offensive line. That's why I think he sits. It's like you don't need him. Right now. You don't. Sit him. Put on 30, 35 pounds. Because that tackle. As long as you're at like two, 8, 290. With his frame. And his athleticism. He's cool. That's why I said Blake Fisher is a candidate. To move inside. Because Blake is already 300. He can get up to 315 with strength in a heartbeat
1: yeah once again matt Eberflus from the colts huh? nah. Right. I know. I know, you know, I
0: can't grab it on a special downtown Chicago at some restaurant thinking I'm going to get high quality clam chowder. So you're right. I have to go to the New England area. And get it. Like I said, I love Baltimore. Going to the harbor, getting that food. So. hey, Coleman Clark, I think Harbaugh is doing a tremendous disservice to his recruits and I'm loving it. (laughs) <laughs> i hope everyone leaves that place he, and yo guys like henning who we thought or we heard was thinking about transferring like he's in the holding pattern man and it's 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 borderline you know Because ultimately everybody gets has the right to choose what's best for them you know, i'm all for that but you know you have to take other people into consideration when your decision impacts them yeah, Blake. Look, like, Blake's like 330. 315. He's already big, so and there would be no problem to kick him inside, none at all. Smitty eighty seven. How can you not? How can you see or not see Charlie Ward comparison? Hasn't even really played yet. What do you need to see? What do you need to see? I don't know. I've never had that problem. So I have an athletic eye as an athlete. So Cam McDaniel explained it better. Like everybody has an artistic expression and flow to their game. So that's like seeing a kid in college make a couple of people miss and automatically saying he's like uh, Barry Sanders. No just because he made somebody miss, there is no one. You will never see anybody in that artistic impression or flow on a college football field. That's just rare. And for someone to be able to be an NBA point guard after being a Heisman quarterback, that's Tyler Buckner can't do that. He can't. That's totally different. Now, his flow is football high-level lacrosse player that's his artistic flow and that's not going to look anything like charlie ward it's not has nothing to do with whether or not he can be good his style is not going to be like charlie ward like any quarterback that can run and pass is charlie ward no he's not i would call caleb williams perfect example He's more in the flow of Russell Wilson. That's who his game looks like, Russell Wilson. Just because he can run and throw, I'm just going to say Charlie Ward? No. You have to look at the artistic impression of how they flowed and how they played the game. Tyler Buckner has no resemblance to how Charlie Ward played the game. None. None. That's just my opinion I don't need to see him play anymore I saw him play against Virginia Tech and I saw nothing that said Charlie Ward absolutely nothing
1: let's see I think I am, Clyde. I think it's Malik that
0: gets me fired up, man, because he's so disrespectful, and he says so many crazy
1: things. I think it's, yeah. Mark, that's all I'm saying,
0: market-wise. It's no comparison. Let's find some other comparisons. It's not Charlie. You know? That said, Smitty needs to get a look at some footage of War when he played UNC in basketball. Oh, man, yo. Thank you, Nikita 3000. The biggest hurdle? Time. Will an give him at least a recruiting cycle? Three to four years to get it done. Look, we talked about this, Nikita. We might want to give him time. Marcus Freeman doesn't want the time. That's the crazy thing. His defense is talking national championship, like, right now. That's that's the crazy thing. Like, Marcus Freeman does not want time. Like, the national championship talk is now. Like, he's telling his team we're winning the national championship this year. That's our goal. So, he doesn't want time. And that within itself is like, yo, okay, I'm with you, Nikita. You know, I thought, man, give him, like, two recruiting classes. but. He doesn't, he doesn't feel like he needs that. He's ready to roll right now. He wants them to compete right now. <laughs> Tabi, I'm going to tell Malik that. And Malik's going to say, dude, I, I've never pulled my hamstring. I already know he's going to be petty. He's going to be petty. You're right, Gavin. He had an opportunity to go pro in baseball as well. I didn't say Tyler was going to be bad. I just gave the comp of they need Tyler Buckner to be just like Tim Tebow. 20 to 25 passes a game, get the ball to your pieces around you, and complete 67% of your passes. That's it. That's all you need. He's not about to drop back and be that guy throwing 45 passes a game and just dissecting defenses. I don't see him being that dude. That's just me.
1: Uh, let see.
0: That's cool. Put me on a petty train, D. Man, you are bugging. He is not a twin of Charlie Ward. You, you have no evidence. David, please pick, pick three plays from this year that are evidence of him being Charlie Ward. Please, please pick the three plays. Now, Tremaine, this is this, that's kind of disrespectful. I might have to put you on the petty train for that one, bro. You're gonna compare him to Kenny Pickett? Come on, man. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Pierre, yeah, the LB crew we building, we pressing everyone in the years to come, say hello to an elite defense. Absolutely. I'm all for that. That's a big-time troll. and that was a big-time troll, Weasley. <laughs> big-time troll. All right, you know what time it is. Let's go. Petty go. gotcha. Junction each and every day, I haven't lined up. So the Bears hired their new GM, Brian Pohl, and then they hired their new head coach, Matt Everflus, on today. So the back story to this is that when Harry Heastman was the offensive line coach hired by the Chicago Bears, uh, the Bears wanted Olin Cruz to come in and be a consultant with Harry he stands and the Bears reportedly according to Olin Cruz who is an all-pro center probably a little bit short of Hall of Fame great career for the Chicago Bears according to Olin Cruz the Bears offered to pay him $15 an hour $15 an hour so that's super petty within itself but that's not who I'm putting on the petty train I have to put Olin Cruz on the petty train because when the announcement was made by ryan Foles and posted by the chicago bears that he was the next gm of the chicago bears olin cruz retweeted it and said ryan make sure you get more than 15 dollars an hour classic troll funny hilarious like dude if they the, the the bears denied it of course george mccaskey denied it but olin cruz has been adamant That's what they offered him as a former player for that organization that bled and gave sweat for that organization. They offered him $15 an hour. That's like an entry level position for like an intern or something for your organization. And you're offering that to a guy that actually played for you? That's ridiculous. So you put the Bears and Owen Cruz on the petty train, both of them. Now, former. San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jeff Garcia. So, Nina Kimes, um, ESPN, she was on first take yesterday. I believe it was a discussion about Jimmy Garoppolo between her, Stephen A. Smith, and Keyshawn Johnson. Of course, she was saying that basically her premise was that Jimmy G is not the reason that the 49ers win games he's not the reason that was overall premise she said a lot of other things but that's the overall premise and in the playoffs i think his he has a one to three a one to two and a half touchdown interception ratio in the playoffs which is bananas but somehow some way shanahan and the 49ers still find a way to get it done with jimmy garoppolo at the hand. jeff garcia responds to what she says and post a scathing scathing Instagram post it was so bad I think it has, it was so bad he went at me the time so bad that his account got suspended if I'm not mistaken let me see if I can find it it was that bad LL Nation and it was like I felt bad because I'm like, yo, like what she said really wasn't, man, he didn't say anything different than anybody else, in my opinion, and his premise was, yo, here we go, all right, here we go. Who the hell is Mina Kimes, and when is the last time she threw a touchdown pass in a game? Never, ever has she taken a snap or can truly understand the ability, the mindset, the physical, and mental toughness that it takes takes to play the quarterback position or any position in the NFL. The fact that there are people out there giving a platform to talk about something that they have never done is hilarious, and that's how you have to look at her. She's a joke. So let's just laugh at her and support Jimmy. Root on our Niners to go out and beat the living F out of one more team. That's what it takes. She would never know that feeling. Can I get an A-man? Peace. He tried to take it down. They suspended his account. Look, man. Athletes always have a problem. The the low-hanging fruit they always go to is you didn't play the game doesn't matter my job is not to play the game my job is to report on the game and give an opinion about the game and that's what Mina kind does if you don't like what she said about Jimmy Garoppolo I can go and I can go find you tens of millions of people that feel the exact same way about Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback let's get real let's get real and I highly doubt I highly doubt this is my issue Stephen A. Smith said the exact same thing on the same show, and he didn't say a word about Stephen A. Smith. So I don't like that. Don't go attack attack her because she's the female on the crew. That's weak. That's weak. You should have had the same energy for Mina Times that you had. You should have had the same energy for Stephen A. Smith that you had for Mina Times. Period. The statistics bear it out. In the playoffs, he stinks. He stinks. Trent Dilfer was a suspect quarterback. He won a Super Bowl. I can go down the list of suspect quarterbacks that won Super Bowls. It can happen. So just because his team went up the Lambeau and won the game with a special team's play and a defense does not mean he should get credit for that win. They won in spite of him. They won in spite of an interception, a horrible interception, where Kittle was open for like five seconds, and his arm wasn't good enough to get the ball to the end zone. Those are facts. I didn't play the game. I just watched it Saturday. I don't have to play the game to see that his arm is noodle. They don't trust him. As soon as he throws an interception, Shanahan goes into the tank and goes to the running game. Immediately. He did it the week before that against Dallas. The interception let Dallas back into the game when the Niners dominated the entire game. Jimmy Garoppolo mistake, back into the game. He had a chance to win the game in the Super Bowl, had to go toe-to-toe in the fourth quarter, what happened? Missed opportunity on the deep ball, couldn't complete it. The next thing you know, interception. He is who he is. Is he good enough to win with? Heck yeah, when you had that defense. When you have that defense, you have that special team, and you have a guy like Shanahan coaching, he's definitely good enough to win with. Definitely good enough to win with. But let's not be mistaken. This is the same dude that on the slide, Tom Brady said, oh, I want to come to your team, and you're going to ride out with him? He was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Tom Brady wanted to go to the 49ers. The 49ers decided to keep Jimmy G. And Tom Brady said, oh, really you gonna ride out with that dude come on man come on man stop stop shooting the messenger because you view the messenger as an easy target that's weak that's very weak don't do that don't do that because big guy Marcus Spears said the exact, he had the exact same energy about Jimmy G and I didn't see you jumping on him when he was talking about it on ESPN jeff garcia that was whack that was ridiculously whack so gotta put you on the petty train i had to put you on the petty train but that's whack man if you don't have that energy eat that same exact energy yeah man they offered that man 15 dollars an hour bro like he was doing customer service crazy I see my guy Wet Blanket in the house. What's up with your Wet Blanket? We appreciate you. Charlie Weiss, last belt loop. Was he lying? Was he lying about what? Was Mina Khan's lying about Jimmy G? She told no lies. That dude isn't the leader of the 49ers. He's not the reason why the 49ers are going to win a championship. He's not. He's not good enough. Was she lying? Was she? That's the problem with athletes. That's the problem with people, man. They feel like you're not required or you're not um,
1: qualified to speak on something just because you didn't play the game. He reports. That's her job. Mike, I agree with you.
0: Tom Brady is a douchebag. But you knew that going back to New England. He had a little something, something for Jimmy G. So he took that opportunity to throw a little bit more on him. Absolutely. Jay Henry, Jimmy G trash. I mean, there you go. So man, Jeff Garcia, Jay Henry said Jimmy G is trash. You gonna come to Jay Henry too? He absolutely he absolutely cost him a Super Bowl. Absolutely cost them the Super Bowl. Absolutely, he absolutely did. Both sides do this, athletes and commentators. First of all, I'm uh, she's not my coworker. Don't know her. I just know she knows more about the history of football, and can convey it in a very impressive way than most people. She does her job, period. And she didn't lie. Once again, answer the question. Did she lie about Jimmy G? Tell me something she said that was wrong, and then you might have a conversation with me. That's it. The truth is the truth. I don't care who it comes from. The truth is the truth. Ty B, I agree with you, Jimmy G and Jeff Garcia. Put them both in the trash. Uh Darriel Jones. That's why I hate giving quarterbacks so much credit for wins. Tom Brady wasn't great in that Super Bowl March. Last season, throwing many interceptions, but the defense was great. I mean, it's a team game. It's a team game. It is what it is. It's a team game. But, you know, when you judge the greatness of quarterbacks, ultimately the deciding factor the thing that you know separates them are super bowls so i get it no she didn't lie he shouldn't have just went after the woman no i don't work for the same not overall big company i don't work with her when i'm talking about co-workers i'm talking about people i work with every day like, I've never worked with her. She's not a co-worker of mine. She's in a totally different branch in Connecticut. Like, so I don't have a stake in the game. Just because she works for ESPN doesn't mean that I'm going to bat for her. I just thought it was weak of Jeff Garcia. Regardless, if he was talking about Maria Taylor in NBC, it would have been super weak. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because on the same segment, Stephen A. Smith said the same thing, and it's like, dude, you're mad at Mina Khan. That's your issue. Because Stephen A. Smith didn't play football either. You're mad at Mina Khan because of who she is, and that's what it is. And don't try to mask it. That's what it is. Dude, you're a buzzer. 100%. I agree with you, Brian. 100 percent um it is it, it, it's a team game but tampa bay wasn't going to win anything without tom Brady. i agree with that um yeah but the fact that james winston was there and it went eight and eight signals that there was talent there waiting on him and he chose tampa bay because there was talent let's not get it twisted let's not act like he went to Tampa Bay because he saw them as poor children that needed help. No, he saw them as a sleeping giant with a talented defense. And he had Gronkowski and Ab come there, which are really good players. He didn't just go get role players. He went and got some screen poppers. Let's get real. He didn't surround himself with, like, basic players. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, you, you don't know what you're looking at or what you're watching. I agree with you, Michael. Man.
1: Oh, Charlie, it's all love, bro. All love. And the names, quarterbacks get too much credit. Certain quarterbacks don't get blamed even when they crap
0: the bed. Jimmy G isn't even in the rarefied air. Make no mistake. If the Packers special teams weren't trash, yep. He would be on the set of a uh, a gig of one of his girlfriends. I agree. <laughs> Uncle Bob, I'm just hoping nobody gets in trouble in Vegas next year coming off that bye. Oh, you're right. Super Bowl is in Vegas. Now, I was there. I hope the infrastructure is better because I was in Vegas for the NBA All-Star game. And it was, getting around that weekend was ridiculous, y'all. The entertainment was fabulous. Prince Concert, Common had a concert I went to. So the entertainment value and everything that was going on around town was fantastic. The parties were just, man, Vegas wasn't big enough at that point in time. So I wonder if Vegas is big enough to host, really host what's about to hit them for the Super Bowl. Because LA, for me, is like, it sounds great, but LA is so spread out. I don't even know if I would want to
1: do the Super Bowl in LA because everything is spread out. BBZ, I agree. He's a goofy.
0: (laughs) Facts. Jay Henry, even Shanahan knows Jimmy G is trash. That's why Debo gets so many carries
1: and he drafted with Trey Lance. Yeah. Yeah. If Jimmy G is trashed, then Lance will be the starter.
0: Hey, that's your opinion. I know what he's not. He's not elite. I know that. He
1: <laughs> said. MP is stupid,
0: bro. Jimmy G is the Stetson Bennett the college football the NFL. Oh, where did I stay? Where did we stay that year? I think we stayed at MGM. No, no, no. The spot. What's the spot on the other end of the strip? Is it the... It's on the other end of the opposite end. Not the popular spot. Not the end with MGM and all of them. It's a, oh, what is the name? Matter of fact, it was new at that point in time. I forget the name of it. I forget the name of it. He's not trash. He's Trent Dilfer, Rich Gannon, or Joe Flacco. You know, to be honest, I don't think Trent Dilfer deserves to be mentioned in the same breath with Joe Flacco and Rich Gannon. I think Rich Gannon was like a league MVP, and Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl and was MVP in the Super Bowl. So Trent Dilfer might have to take a step back off that list. But I get your point. <clears throat> Good point, Ty B. Yo, Jeff Garcia and Head Man. T.O. has come to Jeff Garcia's head plenty of times, and he's had nothing to say. Yes. Thank you, Robin Dennis. The win. The win. Appreciate it. All right. That's the show today. I'll let – look, stay tuned, man, because more than likely Malik's going to want to jump on with you guys a little bit later, and um, we might do a show around 8 o'clock tonight. So check in with that. All right for um subscribe share like apple podcast a2s network we appreciate you guys thank you for rocking with me solo today from my boy malik zayed overtime malik i'm sean davis as always have a great day spend it different ll nation we'll see you